Welcome to the UK Run Chat podcast. Uh, I'm Joe Williams, and in this episode, Michelle is joined by Green Runners Ellie Wardle and Darren Evans. We all love the thrill of a race, the sense of accomplishment that comes with crossing that finish line. The Green Runners are asking us to just stop for a moment and think about the environmental impact of these events and the sport that we all love. Michelle, Ellie and Darren discuss how races can run towards a greener and more sustainable future and also give you some resources to work towards becoming more sustainable as well. Enjoy this chat. See you on the next episode. Thanks so much for joining us on the UK Run Chat podcast today. Um, Would you both like to introduce yourselves to our listeners? Yeah, sure. Hiya, um, I'm Ellie. I'm a member of the Green Runners and also a sustainability consultant for the sports events industry. So yeah, it's great to be here. And yeah, I'm Darren. Um, I'm one of the co-founders of the Green Runners. I kind of write about climate change and running and I'm also the founder of PairUps. Yeah, brilliant. So tell us a little bit more about the Green Runners then and its mission in promoting sustainability within the running industry. Ellie, do you want to yeah, sure. say a little bit about um, it? So the Green Runners were a global community. Uh, they're formed after COP26 and we have a shared vision of running without the footprint. And at present, we have around a thousand members across the world, but we're growing by the day and expanding our global reach. And we focus on four pillars, which is how we move, um, primarily how we travel, such as to our clubs, to our meetups, to events, uh, how we eat, um, have a planet-focused diet, so you know, reducing meat and dairy consumption, and also with our sports nutrition, how we kit up, uh, so emphasizing, you know, using what we have to the end of its life, um, reducing what we do buy, and opting for thrifting and secondhand purchases um, in most instances. And we can't do any of this without our fourth pillar, which is how we speak out. So that's probably the most important one. Yeah, which is, I guess, what we're helping with today, really, into how people can do that. I mean, you mention all those pillars and you think, wow, actually, I feel a bit overwhelmed because there's so much that we need to change and think about, isn't there? Um, yeah it's easy to feel overwhelmed especially like we've all been there like I remember at the start of my sustainability journey I found I had terrible eco-anxiety like everything was overwhelming a plastic bag a coffee you know having a coffee cup everything I did I was kind of like questioning um so what we actually do at the Green Runners is we just encourage people to pledge uh, make one pledge for each of our four pillars so you don't have to do everything perfectly in that sense you just pick a few things that you within your realm that you know you can work on so for one person it might be go meat free one day a week or how you eat uh for how you get up it might be i'm going to only buy two pairs of shoes this year instead of 10 so you know it's just making those changes and we know they'll be different for everyone depending on their circumstances as well yeah there are small things that people can do differently aren't there I guess um, yeah every, everyone's yeah. everyone's different and um we've kind of come up with this thing called uh, 50 shades of green so um it's a really good way of kind of measuring where you are on the scale so you don't have to be a massive activism you know activist yeah. doing loads of stuff you can choose the lighter shade of green uh, and then as you get more confident you could maybe go a bit greener uh, but it's it's about creating that 
whatever's comfortable for the individual because everyone's on their different journey. And that's what's good about the Green Runners is some of the co-founders, you know, we have carbon engineers. Um, we have, so, so basically we have runners that care about the climate, but we've also got sort of carbon engineers and climate scientists that like to run. So there's a real good mix of people and there's a real good mix of knowledge within the co-founding group of the, of the Green Runners. So that really helps me who doesn't really know a lot about climate change that I can then talk to those individuals if I've got any questions. And, and, and so can anyone of the community who have those sort of questions. We have a resources page where they can go and have a look at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's good to hear, actually. So we don't we don't need to feel overwhelmed. So we're going to focus on events today, which is in itself such a large area, isn't it? Um, so, Ellie, you work in this area. What would you say are the most pressing challenges that the, the race industry is facing at the moment? Um, well, when I looked at this question, I think you can interpret it two ways. You can think about it in terms of how climate change influences running so how it influences races and as we know the droughts floods wildfires heat waves have all foreseen cancellation postponing of races runners suffering and you know it's been scientifically found that as the temperature increases so does your marathon race time um yeah that's a good so you point. can also yeah. think of it as how the industry influences climate change and because I work a lot behind the scenes, kind of doing carbon reporting, data collection of races, so I can see the emissions from each facet of an event. So the participant travel it can be enormous, especially for the major marathons. It's up to 98% of an, a mass sport event's carbon footprint. It's just from how people get there. So kind of, you know, puts into perspective how even with all the bottles and the waste and the merchandise, travel is just enormous. And that's often from long haul travel. Um, so that's that's a massive challenge for the running industry because it's also scope free. So it means it's beyond the race organizers control. Like you can't ban people. You can't, you know, prescribe how they move, how they travel there. Um, so, yeah, that I would say that's a big challenge and also a lot of what the race organizers do is dependent upon rules legislations and what's actually accessible so in an ideal world we'd all have compostable bottles and cups and such but in realistically that's our systems can't cater for that so you could have a compostable cup and the localist you know the most local composting facility could be 200 miles away which totally defeats the point yeah so yeah, so there's a lot of challenges in different aspects, but I think it all still, still comes down to the communication awareness speaking out pillar because you can't change what you don't know. Yeah. So how, how do we make changes there? I mean, I know some of the races I've done in the UK, they have promoted car sharing, for example. Yeah. And I know I've seen some athletes on social media who are traveling abroad for lots of races talking about getting the train rather than the plane is it is it as simple as that that we just need to be more conscious of how we're traveling I, th I think it's conscious it's also understanding that as well because if you look at kind of the feedback surveys and participants will because not you know no one really knows until you get into this industry 
uh, that they see the plastic bottles and the waste as kind of the biggest concern. Yeah. So it's until we kind of shift that narrative to kind of focus on the biggie, which is the travel, and then we could help encourage people in a a gentle way um, and with incentives about how they can make more conscious decisions about their race calendar and how they're traveling to and from these events. Um, so on terms of what the race organizers can do, um, I always encourage them to have a kind of transport page, like detailing all the different options to get there and making this really seamless and kind of clear cut and accessible. Um, so it makes it really easy for people to plan their journeys in advance and you know having this as kind of a active travel hierarchy so you have at the top of the page you have you know the least carbon intensive option walking cycling and what races can do to encourage us with bike valets uh trips kind of organized cycles and then all the way down so ideally flights should be at the bottom of the list yeah. to scroll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah make it harder work for people to find out how to yeah fly it's like it, well, I think about it, it's the supermarket, isn't it? What you yeah. get high level versus the shelves up in the below. Um, and five in terms of travel, five easy wins uh, would be encourage low lower carbon participant travel, so car sharing, yeah. EV charging points, bike storage, bike tours, dedicated shuttle buses, and you could also partner with local travel providers. And you can have kind of travel packages, so kind of include these travel tickets, shuttle buses in your registration fees um so it's really it's rather than it's an add-on you could have a kind of integral to how someone signs up um obviously keeping it local so uh, prioritizing your local suppliers vendors volunteers and also you can incentivize and encourage participation from local community run clubs so this will reduce kind of the scope one or two um travel from the staff and volunteers and also just minimize the travel aspect of the event and yeah back to the how we speak out if you promote and provide the shared travel options on your website and make this really clear and easy for everyone to access yeah yeah yes yes fine i think the only thing i'd add on to that is uh, race directors making start times um in line with public transport and, and ideally, when they're planning a route as near to a train station as possible, um, you know, which is that will make it easier for the runner or the individual then to to choose that option of train or public transport if they're not under pressure to get there for an early, early start. And also, if it is near to a train station, then that makes it more accessible for the runners to make that positive decision to think instead of driving i'm gonna i'm gonna catch the train so that for me is really important as a race director yeah that's a really good point actually it's you want to know you can get there within good time don't you and be relaxed and not be stressing about it and quite often as you say if it's an early start the only option is to drive isn't it yeah 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 Yeah, that's a really really good point um, so, Ellie, you mentioned um, just partnering with kind of local travel options there. What what else can we do locally? I mean, I guess that's a big that's a big thing, isn't it, in terms of just being more sustainable is partnering up with local organisations. How how can that help? 
Um, so in terms of partner move local, this has kind of multiple benefits. Uh, first and foremost, it's about, um, so it's really important for directors to consider when planning an event is how this short term event can have a leave a long lasting impact on the local community. Um, in the event industry, we call this the event legacy or community legacy, which is essentially the long term effects and in this case, environmental, that events can aim to create both before, during and after. Um, so obviously some renowned examples of this, it's like the Commonwealth and Olympic Games, where they've supported local community before, during and after, such as through um, supporting local businesses, local infrastructure, uh, the redevelopment of the area outside the Olympic Park, and also through carbon literacy training in sport. Um, but also, you know, this is the impact they can leave and the way they can support will vary depending on the location, their capacity, their budget, and also obviously what's in the local area. Um, so with smaller event organisers, they could do things like investing in or donating to a local conservation project. Uh, they could organise team volunteer days to support the you know, environmental work in the areas uh, that they're, they're hosting their events in and also working with local suppliers and businesses, which will, yeah, have multiple snowball effect on the local community as well. Yeah, that's 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 going to only have a positive impact, really, isn't it? If you're yeah. if you're buying local, investing in local businesses. Yeah. Um, right. So let's we've talked about the, the biggie, which is travel, which is surprising, actually, because when we think about event sustainability, we do seem to think about plastic bottles and medals and T-shirts. They come up a lot. So let's just delve into those a little bit. Um, and just talk about, you know, let's start with the medals and the, the goodie bags. I mean, how can we how can we be more sustainable there? I mean, do, do we need them, first of all? Because some people do really like a medal, don't they? Um, and others are kind of, well, I'll, I, I'm not that bothered. So how, how do we satisfy the needs of everybody here? Um. Well, again, as it comes to every kind of procurement decision or whenever you a based event director wants to buy anything, uh, consider the it's called a sustainable hierarchy, which goes in the order of rethink, reduce, reuse, recycle, recover. So rethink. So it's kind of when you're in that planning stage, think, do we, as in the race directors and the runners, really need or want goodie bags and medals? Um, and you can kind of, gauge the response to this through a, a survey or just trial and error like trying different things out swapping wooden medals in or coasters or and the total medal alternative which a lot of kind of a smaller scale events have tried and when it comes to reduce uh for you know big problem is obviously the surplus of goodies medals and t-shirts which often are dated branded and can't be reused and so if race directors can try and order less to avoid surplus and um you know as in custom orders as well so you know the exact number yeah. of t-shirts or medals that you're going to give out and obviously as we all know the good guys at trees not tees off now offer opt-out options for t-shirts and medals and so this is especially for runners who race regularly um 
it's a really good option for them if they don't want another t-shirt or medal bunged in their drawer yeah um, and then when it and then you know for when obviously like I'm never gonna none of us are ever gonna say never get a t-shirt never get a medal because think about like London Marathon I believe has really high percentage of first-time marathoners and it could be their only marathon so obviously a t-shirt and medal is really meaningful to them and for any kind of big achievement your first 100 miler your first 50 miler um it's just the problem comes in when it's you know when people race regularly and it becomes a bit questionable if they need two medals every week <laughs> to add um so yeah sustainable alternatives to medals would be recycled upcycled you can get digital or adding to the benefits of local community. You could partner with your local wood maker or craft maker and have locally made and customized medals. These could be wooden, these could be slate, these could be coasters or from, you know, local raw materials. And yeah, you can even have alternatives to medals. So I think in the Twitter feeds we had people were giving out really good ideas such as I like the obviously I like the coffee and cake idea um <laughs> yeah. having coasters food from local businesses and kind of uh what we call like kind of really useful practical items that you can re- reuse again and again um I'm not sure there's too much you can do with a medal again and again but if yeah. people have got I, ideas, I don't know we, we we've been giving out quite a lot of medals to our running club um yeah, so for kind of doing well. Yeah, um, and I've seen people so donate go down quite nicely. So they're still in yeah. circulation, but they're being kind of reused. So that's quite yeah. Nice. I really like that. And when they donate, to kind of yeah, that you know, local schools and charities. Yeah. That's obviously a really cool thing. Um, yeah. and when it comes to goodie bags, yeah, obviously none would be the best yeah. option. Yeah. We don't need them. <laughs> we don't need them, do we? No. We like them, but we don't everyone, need them. Yeah. yeah, I know. I know we all do need something to get yeah. us to the line, like some kind of motivation incentive at the end. But, you know, there are different options for this. You could have, you could also have virtual goodie bags and e vouchers. There's lots of websites offering these. That's such a good idea. Yeah. And yeah. you can have, you can also have these for the local businesses in your area. So it could be, you know, yeah. discounts at the local eateries, at the local shops, etc um or for one of the sponsors and then obviously to avoid waste surplus and especially food waste um is to provide kind of non-perishable food and drink items so people can take them away like it's not something you have to consume immediately or within a few days um yeah just kind of exploring the different options you can have and prioritizing um locally supplied goodies to have at the finish line and i know Darren's got has a really good um, system going with his medals and laces. Which yeah, Darren's nodding along there. vigorously there. So, <laughs> Darren, why don't you tell us about your sustainable medals? They're quite innovative. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I um, kind of thought about the race and and what we would give, everyone kind of likes a medal. So we don't do any tree op- uh, any tea option at all. Um, but everyone kind of likes a medal. Um, but the wooden ones, the feedback is that they're a little bit light and you want something a little bit weighty. So the slate ones are a really good option because they're re- it's recycled slate, which is a natural product. And one thing that we don't do is we don't put a date on them either because 
you never know. You, you'll get the registrations, but not everyone's going to turn up to the race for, for whatever reason. So you could end up with a surplus there, even though you could plan ahead for the amount of runners that you've got registered, but very rarely do you get the full amount of runners turn up on the day. So to to non-date them means that they can carry on to the, the following year. And what you can then do is with the iTab, which has your time, you can then add the date onto the iTab if the um, if the runner wants that that date of of when that was. So, and then to cut out on any ribbon, um, because obviously when you order medals, you then get ribbon. Um, We decided to use pre-loved trainer laces, um, which we got from Rerun Clothing. So Dan and Charlotte obviously do a rerun and any um, trainers that were destined for um, end of life, not into landfill or incineration because they wouldn't do that. Um, but any that were end of life that couldn't be passed on to a charity, um, we would take the uh, laces out, wash them in white vinegar and thread them through the medals that we received from uh, from the medal company so no waste medals yeah that's lovely how have they been received then generally yeah really good yeah in fact this year um to kind of make awareness around climate change we had all the different colors in the climate change color so from um blue to sort of white into red just yeah. to show yeah. the client the, the the effect of climate change uh, and that went down. Um, so you, you, you can be quite um, creative with it. But, um, yeah, they, they've, we're in our third year and everyone loves the medal because it's, it's weighty. It, it's, it's, quite, it's quite classy in the way that it's been designed and because it's got that, that weight to it. And, and people understand the ethos of the race. Yeah. So I think that's another thing around education is when you – and going back to Ellie's point about transport and having a transport page, it's really important that when you advertise your race about the 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 ethos of the race, so people kind of understand it then when they get there, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and you, you do kind of, you, I've certainly seen more races taking this into consideration now. Um, what happens if a race doesn't how how do we approach that how how can we affect change there have you got any tips well um for me personally um i so so with regards to trees not teas if um anyone any race didn't offer trees not teas i wouldn't go to that race or i wouldn't enter that race um and then I realised that actually the, I would only enter the races that offered trees, not teas. And then I realised that the races that I need to enter are the ones that don't offer trees, not teas, so that I can then speak to the race yeah. director on yeah. the day. And I think that you know that whole piece around speaking out is really is really important and making people aware. And and, and from what I've seen, especially being involved with the Green Runners and you know the community that's growing, there is runners are understanding now this this trees not teas option uh and i think it's okay f- to provide medals but it should be you know if it should be an i guess an add-on um 
I mean, I did a Centurion race uh, early on in the year, the 100 Hills, and they gave out a iron-on badge, which was exactly the same as the medal, which yeah. was brilliant. Wow. Um, I, I did an, an, another race um, about six weeks ago called the Bates Green Gallop, and you could choose either no medal, an old medal from previous years, or a new medal, but you have to pay extra. Yeah. You know, so there's loads of different ways on it, how, you, how we can do it. Yeah, I mean, as, as a race director, how you know how difficult is that to to actually put into practice because like with with a lot of medals now people will tend to go for best value which means they often have to order in advance and they can take a long time to arrive so how how do you actually put that into practice where you give people the option do you have to have kind of lengthy cut-off dates before the race itself how does that work in practice yeah, I, ideally, um, I mean, the, the normal cutoff is about six weeks before, especially with no waste medals. Um, so I, I don't know about any other uh, manufacturers of medals. Maybe it's a bit more difficult with the, with the metal medals or the heavier metals, uh, the medals. Um, but I think if you plan to, everyone has a cap on their limit of, of runners, and for me especially, I will only order up to that 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 maximum. Yeah. Um, and then, like I say, if you don't date them, then you can use them the following year. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's a real difficult one. Um, medals, I think, are here to stay. And it's just about how we get the, get the best option. I mean, I like Earth Runs their medals you literally you literally plant their medals they've got seeds in and they grow oh, that's different yeah, yeah. It, it's it's amazing so you know there are loads of options out there now uh, that are more sustainable um so all i all i'd say is um to any race directors is is have a look at the options that are out there don't don't just stick with the supply that you've had for years um look look at what other options are out there yeah and, and li- I guess listen, listen when people chat to you at the end of a race and go, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily want a medal today or a t shirt. Exactly. Yeah. That. Like, yeah. like Lady said, how many medals yeah. do you actually need? How many t shirts do you need? You know, so, but yeah. for those bespeak, you know, those ones where they're a, you know, they're a pinnacle race for you, then, then it's really important. Um, so, yeah, I, I think medals will always stay. It's just choosing the best option. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like you say, if we can have an opt-in, that would be the best scenario, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So we've we've chatted about travel. We've talked about goodie bags and T-shirts and medals. Um, what else do we need to consider? What about kind of plastic bottles and waste and things from races? How can we, how can we make changes there? What do we need to be aware of? <laughs> Myself and Ellie have had conversations about this have you yeah we yeah we've um it's darren's passion project okay it's, oh, tell it's me my, more yeah. it's tell my more. yeah well it's so i mean 98 percent of the carbon footprint is travel which we know yeah but the most visible thing that you see is the plastic bottles and i've got a um I, i'm going to call them out because i'm it's our fourth pillar um it's <laughs> Is Buxton Water. Okay, so obviously London Marathon, Brighton Marathon. I had the opportunity to do Brighton Marathon. And 
the the amount of bottles were were horrendous. Um, and yeah, I, I'm just on a mission now to try and s- s- not stop because we need to provide hydration at aid stations. There's a real question. There's a this is a whole different other conversation. Is how many aid stations you know do you actually need in a in a forty in a forty k race? You know, um, so the when you compare road running to trail running, you know, very it's, different. It's very very different. Yeah. And and you know, I ran um, Brighton Marathon in my with my bladder pack that I would run in the trail. I didn't have to take any bottles of water. It wasn't that much more inconvenient for me. And in fact, I had a really good run, you know, as in times. I know, you know, it's more about PBs and, and stuff like that in, in sort of road marathons, but it wasn't an, an inconvenience. And because, because bladder packs and vests have got so much better over the years, you know, even, even the last two years, the, the technology that is, in, is used in these, in these vests are, are so much better than what they were. So they're not as inconvenient as, as what they used to be. So for me, I would like to see some of the marathon, the road marathon races, um, take some of the ultra trail yeah. uh, ethos into some of their races. Because, and again, my own personal view is what I saw on the day is you know, runners picking up a bottle, taking a couple of swigs, throwing a little bit over their head, discarding the bottles. And there were photos five days later of bottles still discarded around Brighton. So that for me is a big issue. And, you know, then, the, the, and I'll call, call them out again. You can cut this out if you want to. But Bucks, Buxton Water say that it, it's fine because it's made, they're made of pets, but it's, that might be the best plastic, but it's the energy that's involved to create those bottles, and then the water that goes in the, in the bottles that is all you know, it's hardly ever used. So, so that for me, plastic bottles are my big thing. I'm I'm completely cupless. One of the best, one of the ideas that I took from uh, Ultra X actually, I did their 50k at Hazelmere, and they had a load of sort of small 10, 15 litre bottles, uh, like camping bottles of water with a little tap uh, lined up along the wall. So you then don't get the issue of runners queuing behind to Uh, out of maybe two bigger bottles, if that makes sense, storage containers. Um, So I use that in in my race and, and and that works. And everyone knows it's cupless as well. So... Yeah, they have to bring their own cup. Um, yeah. And so, that doesn't have to be expensive, does it? I mean, you, you've you made your own out of... Well, yeah, I make my own. I, I, I've been using them for two years. It's literally a a, a Tetra Pak carton, uh, either an oat milk carton, use the bottom, fold it up, stick it in my vest. Uh, I use, yeah, I use it for lattes, for water, everything. And it's so easy to use. But even the, the little plastic fold-up ones, yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this, but, you know, they're a better option than having tons of hard plastic bottles yeah yeah and they fold up really small don't they they're very expensive 100 percent. yeah 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 it it would be good to see races get better at this i know various things have been trialed i've seen like ideas of the bubbles and i don't know how how successful they've been have you got any thoughts on that on that ellie um the uhu 
Um, yeah, they're a brilliant company, yeah. really innovative, and certainly can see them being a way forward for, especially for road marathons yeah. and big events like that. But obviously, because they're kind of in the early days, they are too expensive for a lot of events, and then the whole transport thing comes in. But yeah, I think using them at the big events is obviously going to save a ton of plastic bottles because that's where most of them are. Yeah. Um, as Darren said, um, and yeah, road. I know I've, I speak to quite a lot of um, mass sport organisers and the hosts of like the larger marathons and events, and they are looking towards the trail running community and trail running races for inspiration, yeah. uh, especially when it comes to self sufficiency, and not least because of in the heat waves, it's been really evident how people carrying hydration have often fared better than those who are relying on water stations which were struggling to keep up with the increased demand and low capacity yeah um yeah i don't know how much you want me to go into this i could yeah got, yeah i'm, I'm uh, fascinated so please okay. yeah, say, say um, a bit more about it <laughs> i can literally see for hours so i'll try and keep it short uh so ideas for um Race directors would be to um, at least have the plastic-free goal in sight, like kind of steps you can get towards, um, such as Royal Parks Half and Bath Half are also aspiring to be plastic-free, and it's kind of incrementally year-on-year. They're trying out different initiatives to try and get to that 80 to 100%. Um, There's also lots of guides, actually, on how... Um, event organisers can minimise or reduce their plastic, such as the IOC is plastic game for sport. Volvo Ocean Race has turned the tide on plastic at sport events and is even a plastic-free sport event toolkit. Uh, there's a plastic-free pledge, which festivals and sports events can take, and it has like guides, resources, and also like a kind of community feel to that as well, so you can learn from each other, motivate each other. Um, and as Darren said, to really emphasise the whole pre-event communication piece would be to encourage runners to bring their own bottles and cups if they can. Um, so, yeah, you have to make runners aware in advance so they don't turn up with nothing and then you don't have any solutions for them to drink from. Yeah. Um, and in terms of a whole kind of gel wrapper waste conundrum um yeah you do this is as Dan said it's very visible especially on road marathons the kind of trails of gel wrappers and waste that kind of lead along the 26.2 roads um so yeah there are some solutions there are some brands out there so kind of like the plastic free or responsible brands so plastic free would be such things like one good thing um, outdoor provisions, but also just kind of supermarket staples like bananas and kind of decanting things into. I know like a lot of trail races have these A stations. They get big bulk buy and then decant things like into little paper cases for yeah. runners to pick up with them. Um, it's also like there are some good responsible like sports nutrition brands. So I know High Five and War Velo in particular take responsibility for their packaging at events they partner and sponsor with. So they're there and they will recycle it through, um, I believe it's uh, TerraCycle and First Mile at the top of my head. Um, 
and yeah and emphasizing using your own hydration bladder and bottles um i know some road events are starting to do this like at london marathon last year if yeah. you read their policy sorry, this year and at the stand we um encourage people as one of their pledges was to run with one of the bottle belts to kind of reduce the number of water bottles we'd have to provide um and yeah, some local, you know, smaller examples. Tape to Tape have recycling tent at the finish line of their Great Grimsby 10K. And a lot of other races could also um, kind of copy this leads and have a volunteer run waste station or dedicated zone or even have a green team, um, you know, along the route or at the start and finish. And yeah, and again, with that communication piece to ask runners not to litter to even impose a kind of penalty for like a dq which i know a lot of races have done if yeah. runners are seen littering yeah. and ask for tail runners if they could pick up any litter they find along the way to ensure that the event has left no trace yeah so actually the things you've mentioned there ellie are really achievable aren't they they're all yeah. Lots really of different simple ways. things yeah yeah yeah, it just shows what you what you can do if you're if you're aware of it. So I, th I think what you're saying is the the first step is to actually say we need to make some changes here. Yeah, <laughs> and just start somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is that whole education yeah. piece. It really is. Yeah. So um, it's I mean, there's two brands, Lucho Delitos, which um, are wrapped in a banana leaf. Which oh, is that's right. Yeah, that's, yeah. And they're a good energy bar. And then you've got one good thing that are completely wrappless. And they've got an energy bar for pre and during the race and then protein bars for after the race. And they're completely wrappless, you know, and that's where we kind of want to get to. So going back to Ellie's point about, you know, sort of the, the less perishable items, you know, you want you want to have the you, you need to have a nutritional option um, based on the distance of the race. But there are loads of good options out there now. Yeah. But actually, you know, when we're training for a long event, we do all that stuff on our own anyway, don't we? So, yeah. you know, we should be encouraging runners to be more self-sufficient, shouldn't we? Yeah, yeah we don't need to be hand-holding them no, exactly. races necessarily. I'd yeah. also throw in there, I know these are becoming very popular, is refillable gel flasks. Yes. So yes. they can replace like eight to ten gels, some of them. And yeah. I know some of the popular brands are now doing them um, High five comes to mind, active route. Uh, and yeah, you could encourage your favorite sports nutrition brand to perhaps even offer this on their website. Yeah. And again, we're back to that speaking out, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. So ha have we covered everything? Well, I know it it's a huge, it's a huge topic. Have we covered the main points that we need to be looking at as events? Because I'd like to move on briefly to what, you know, runners can do as well, just outside of racing briefly. Um, yeah, I, th I think so. I just want to throw in there uh, cable ties. Oh, um, yes. Re reusable cable ties. Uh, one of my, the big things that I look for now are single-use cable ties because especially on big ultra races, especially trail races, not so much rows, but the amount of signage that's used with single-use um, cable ties. Uh, in fact, I had a good discussion with Davey um, at uh, who who does the lap um the race director for the lap oh yeah and um was talking about each other's races and he said i'm not going to talk to you unless 
you tell me you use reusable cable ties. And so I had to physically show him on my phone my signage with reusable cable ties. And, and, and that's really encouraging that that was at the national running show in January. And you've got a race director challenging another race director about reusable cable ties, you know, and, and, and it was, you know, I was expecting to be challenging others and it was good for Davey to challenge, you know, and it was, it was really encouraging. So if there's any RDs out there that are, you know, have got races coming up or thinking about putting races on, Reusable cable ties are, you know, definitely use those. Save so much waste. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, so let, let's just move on then just to what um, what steps can individual runners take? Because, you know, running sustainably goes far beyond event organisers, doesn't it? And I'd, I'd like to touch firstly upon the latest controversy um, in the industry of these single-use racing shoes. You know, what? We, we seem to be moving in the wrong direction here. What's what's going on? You got any thoughts? About the single-use running yeah. shoes? <laughs> yeah. Because um, all this work we're putting in to kind of, you know, reduce impact on climate and then suddenly we've got brands releasing shoes like this. Yeah, it, it, it's shocking, to be fair. I mean, the Green Runners have called out Adidas um, around their single-use shoe. Um, we've we've had a lot of um, commentary about it and a lot of agreement from, you know, runners uh, about it. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's shocking. There will always be a need for advancements in, te- in technology. Um However, to make a shoe that is guaranteed to last only one marathon um, is it, it is shocking, uh, in in my view. And I work with obviously a lot of trainers in what I do with pair ups, and you know there there are twenty two billion pairs of trainers made every year, um, which is shocking. And the majority of them will end up in landfill. Um, or in incineration. Um, and the majority of them are a, a minimum of 95% fossil fuel. They're made out of, you know, pita. And, uh, uh, so it, it's it's shocking. Um, so for Adidas to advertise that and also get over the loophole of making a certain amount to make it available for the public at that price, um, yeah, it... it, it it is shocking, um, but there will be runners out there that will be um, enthused by what they see, and 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 will want to try and you know use as much technology as they can to to get that PB. Um, I've got a view that it's we should be looking after the planet rather than our PBs, um, and and that's kind of where I am on it really. Um, if you want to check out. Um, any commentary around it, then, then check out the greenrunners.com uh, on and on Instagram because there's there's loads of commentary about it. Yeah, and I should probably say that Darren's working really hard to prolong the life of running shoes, aren't you, with, with pair-ups and help educate people on how to repair them. Yeah, it's all about education, yeah, literally. Um, it's providing a, a, a puncture repair kit for a trainer-uppers um, to extend the life and stop them going into landfill. Um, that that is basically it. The, the waste is, I mean, it's probably it, well, it is. It's the 
it's the biggest waste issue with our kit. It's by far, and then that's um, followed up with with race t-shirts, you know, and and apparel. Um, we will always need trainers. Um, you know, we w- we will always need. It, for me, I can run in any pair of shorts and any t-shirt, but I will need a pair of trainers and I'll need a waterproof jacket. So for me, they're the most fundamental bits is a pair of trainers and, and, a, and a running jacket, especially obviously this time of year. Um, so with regards, with regards to apparel, I, I'm, I'm totally against apparel, um, <laughs> new apparel and it, I'm going to go off on one ear again, so you can you can, you can cut you can cut it out. Um, but I I made a comment on uh, on on LinkedIn about a company called Pressia who's released all this new, you know, um, apparel that's you know technically advanced. It's more sustainable and, and all, all of that. Um, but we just don't need we just don't need that kit. There's so much of it already produced already in the world um we don't we don't need it and and another thing just going back to um what race directors could do um is provide a kit swap shop at their races so people can bring along any old kit that they don't use anymore and then it they could they can swap it out so it it is a great way of re- repurposing product um rather than it being you know given to a charity that would potentially end up in a landfill in a third world country because you know there is evidence where trackers have been placed on these items and they've traveled thousands of miles around the world you know where they were given to in, in into a charity bin you know at a supermarket it's with the with the runner or the individual putting that in, in with good intent thinking it was going to go somewhere when actually it's not so there's there's so much waste uh, around that. So yeah, going back to your point, Adidas, yeah, have, for me, have, have made the wrong choice as regards uh, promoting their Adidas Zero. Sorry, Ellie, go on. <laughs> no, no, no. What you said was great, and especially the whole communication piece. Because it's only once you delve into the impact of the clothing industry, especially the trainer industry, like. As in, if the train industry were a country, it'd be the world's 17th largest polluter, which is emitting as much CO2 per year as the whole of the UK. That's incredible. Um, And sneaker production, so trainer production, accounts for 1.4% of the global greenhouse gas emissions, and which is only just behind air travel, which is 2.5% of all emissions. So, yeah, once you... This is the whole you know the whole where why we speak out and kind of learning more about it so you can make the correct changes and responsible i you know actions going forward as a runner um it's just to learn more because you can't change what you don't know yeah um and so as after the communication piece and now you know you might be thinking what do i do now who do i buy from um yeah and that is very tricky because there's you know, we're bound with greenwashing across the fashion industry. So you can't wholly believe a lot of the claims these companies are making, uh, especially when they use, you know, the words green or recycled content um, and other kind of buzzwords. 
And so actually the best thing you could do as a runner is buy less and prolong what you already have because the most sustainable apparel and shoes is what's already on your feet and in your wardrobe. Um, And yeah, I'll just give us a few shout outs to uh, Pre-Love Sports. Um, They're a fantastic way um, of getting secondhand clothing really on a a lot of time, really high quality, Um, you know, from from jackets to socks to leggings to trainers to accessories. Um, I also, I always use Vinted. I use Facebook Marketplace. There's running gear buy and sell. There's eBay. There's Depop. And a lot of these items are near perfect. A lot of them still have the same labels on them. So buying secondhand doesn't mean, you know, um, secondhand quality. It's not a lower quality. Um, And especially if you're a runner, you're about to get sweaty and muddy in it anyway. (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, that's what we do is be kind of rethink. Do I need another pair of trainers um reduce so you know kind of commit to buying less and prolonging the life of your pair so you buy less in a year and um opting for second hand thrifting as again darren said you could you know encourage your club to do swaps so kick swaps or yeah our club does this it it works really well actually yeah Yeah. especially if you don't get one of a pair of shoes you know the whole problem with buying online and such is that you can't return them after you've worn them that you don't know if they fit if you don't wear them so yeah that's where the kind of swapping sites clubs groups and also just facebook marketplace comes really in handy um yeah and because i don't have a statistic at the top of my head i believe oh correct me if i'm wrong darren was it 25 million pairs of trainers are made a year uh, 22 billion 22 billion okay Whoa. 22 so, yeah that has come from what? consumers yeah in 2018 yes yeah, something like 55 million pairs of trainers were produced every day yeah yeah which, yeah, is, which is crazy yeah so um yeah it's it, it and just going back to that bit about the clubs actually um any um any clubs that have got a junior um running club it's really good to do that kit swap because obviously kids grow out so quickly. My phone just decided to go a bit crazy then. Um, but yeah, for juniors um, in, in running clubs, it, that kit swap works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, such good ideas. I love, I love the idea of having one at races as well. That's, you know, as long as that's advertised well in advance, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, it's been absolutely fascinating having you both on to chat about this. I think we could talk about it for hours, couldn't we? I think we're, I think we're on the same page as well. Um, so where can our listeners find out more if we've got a race director um, listening who wants to make some improvements or we've got a runner just wanting to find out more work and they get in touch and find some resources? Yeah, I'd say the best point of contact would be contact joining the Green Runners yes. and um, contacting us through one of our social media channels, so whether that be Facebook, Twitter, um, Instagram, or even email. Um, if you're a race director, there's, I believe, a few hubs online. There's like a race director hub, or even just reaching out to like other local organisers in your area to see what you can do together or finding local suppliers or kind of coming up with solutions to common issues such as the waste the composting the bottles stuff like that um 
and yeah I'm always open to anyone wanting to get in touch with any questions at any time as well yeah I can highly recommend Ellie she is the font of all knowledge when it comes to race sustainability so uh yeah give 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 Ellie a shout so where can we find you Ellie um best place would be I'm on Instagram as oh gosh um underscore treading lightly underscore I'll, I'll, yeah, um, we'll pop it in the show notes and then people yeah. can find it yeah. or just message the green runners and they'll probably forward it on to me so. is there are we allowed to talk, are we allowed to talk about your rescore yeah this isn't yes. the to green runners but yeah. um i work for a really cool organization called the council for responsible sport yeah and we were behind certifying london marathon recently you got gold and right, if you go on yeah. our website you've got a list of certified events from all over the world a lot of the uh, major marathons and such um and we have this really cool app which is free to use free to access for events of any size any location called rescore um so if you it's free to sign up it's free to use the resources the guides the templates the case studies and it's kind of we have five different pillars so to speak which we do tie into the green runners pillars in many aspects such as we have planning communications procurement resource management access and equity and community legacy so it's a real good good balance of esg so the environmental the social the governance economics of putting on a responsible event um and also on our website if you wanted so yeah you can also download the standards we have a standards page so if you're an organization or an event you can download it. it's kind of like a checklist and you know it's been used since 2007 by hundreds of event organizers it's been piloted by many it's adapted improved and we'll have further improvements and adaptations in 2024 as well which will be aligned with like the pinnacle of global standards such as the un standards um so yeah you can book a one-to-one with me for free it's just a 30 minute call to see where you're at uh, what your aspirations are how we can help and yeah you could uh feel free just to use our resources and such and work your way through the free self-assessment oh fantastic so that's the rescore app rescore yeah download getting to yeah. that way yes, that's online and really events you could have multiple people use it within your team as well yeah it's great really good yeah what a fantastic resource well thank you so much for your time um to all those listening out there i hope you've enjoyed listening in um, and do get in touch with the green runners hopefully you've got an influx of some new members <laughs> cheers michelle thank Thanks you so much Thanks,